0: Hello, and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason, and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, what's going on? Oh, you know, it's uh, it's the abbreviated NBA offseason. Uh, lots of things happening uh, all at one time in terms of the draft and the trade deadline. and uh, Or not the trade deadline, but the uh, the offseason, you know, free agency and trades and crazy stuff. So, um you know, I think one really notable thing that happened was a reported trade. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks were set to acquire Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, in a kind of a bid to bolster, you know, their possible last season with, uh, with Giannis. And uh, so that kind of made us think of like some other, you know, big trades that were, you know, either publicly reported at the time, or, you know, were were kind of in, in the works and very nearly happened. And, um, Kind of just digging into uh, some details there. And there's some surprising ones as you go through them.
1: Yeah, there really is. And, and you know, we, we ask people on Twitter, on Facebook, and in different places, like, hey, you know, what are some of your favorite ones that, that you know, you remember big trades that fell through. And there's going to be some of the common ones that everybody brings up every single time. We're, we are going to talk about those ones. But uh, there were some really cool ones, too, that either I had no idea about ever. Um, or, or ones that I maybe, maybe remembered a little bit, but forgot about and didn't know as much of like kind of the intricate details of. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to do the show. It's going to be a fun one here of, of some, yeah, some, some obvious ones that I think people know. The Chris Paul to the Lakers, the Iverson to the Pistons ones, but then some weird ones that I think, yeah, even, even I learned a ton about, uh, and really had never even heard about ever. So yeah, I'm really excited to, uh, to dive into here.
0: Yeah, um, the first one uh, is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, Bob McAdoo to the Sonics in December 1976. I mean, this reached the point where it was reported in the newspaper. There were newspaper articles that, you know, in in, uh, in Seattle that McAdoo was, um, was going there. They, they thought it was going to happen, and then it, it kind of fell through at the end. But, I mean, that would have been a huge get for the Sonics. You know, McAdoo had been the... MVP in 75 and then um, would and then at at 76 had been the runner up, Uh, you know, for the Braves. You know, they were sort of an up and coming team in the mid 70s. They had, you know, Randy Smith, Jim McMillan, uh, Ernie DiGiorgio, and they were coached by Jack Ramsey. And they had taken the Celtics six games in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, in the 76 season. So, you know, they seemed like they were, you know, um, headed for big things, but they also had had some – Financial and chemistry rose. You know, they were kind of in the in the midst of an ownership change to John Y. who was the former Colonel's owner. Uh McAdoo had been accused by the team of faking a back injury and it had been suspended for a few games. Um Jack Ramsey left the team in the offseason in seventy-six. So and McAdoo was expected to leave his free agent. So they needed to kind of get something for him. And um I think this trade was better than anything that, that what they ended up getting, you know, later on with the Knicks. Yeah, it's still not
1: great. I don't love it, but it. it, it yeah, I agree. It, it, when compared with the two deals, uh, I think this one definitely uh, ha- has a little bit more to it. But uh, yeah, not not the top value. Not really the value you'd assume about McAdoo would get at that time. But like you said, there were some issues going on, and and. Uh, I think you mentioned it as well, where you know he's suspended in, in in 1975. They accused him of faking a back injury and just some other right. s- like kind of dumb stuff that made people probably think, oh, Bob McAdoo. I don't know <laughs> are we supposed to, you know? And it's like, God, he's really you know still a very very good player. And 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 yeah, you, this seal and then the actual one that happened, I think were were probably low values uh, for a Bob McAdoo at the time. But this one's not bad. This one's okay.
0: Right. Well, like the, the two key pieces that um, came from Seattle was Tom Burleson, who was seven four and he was only 23 and he'd average, you know, 15 points per game, nine rebounds per game, almost two blocks per game. You know, he'd really been improving, you know, the last few years. So like he was someone who you could talk yourself into, okay, he's a prospect and he, he ended up not panning out, you know, injuries happened, but like, you know, he seemed like a, like a, a guy who was, you know, pretty good value might, you know, return, who might get better and might end up being like a you know a, a perennial all star at least? Um, and then Leonard Gray he was twenty four. You um, had a, had a good season with uh, Seattle. Um, you know, fourteen points per game, six rebounds, three assists. You know, it was solid. Um, Solid stats, but ended up just kind of flaming out, you know, basically his next season was his last season and he was out of the league. I'm not even clear on why I looked it up and and couldn't really figure out anything there. Burleson, at least, you know, he's a 7'4 guy, you know, was a wiry frame, you know, suffered some injuries short in his career, but, um, so it looked better on paper than it would have turned out, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the definitely, yeah, but you're right. Not not value for a guy who was still yeah, one of the leading scorers in the league, one of the, you know, was a, a top 5 player at that point, at least top 10 player um at that point. You know, the going to the Knicks didn't do a whole lot for his reputation, but he no. actually, you know, played. Pretty, <laughs> but he, he, he actually played pretty well there. He was still a top 5 scorer. You know, the Knicks just like they weren't terrible. They were just sort of like middling, you know, and um you know, and compared to the previous team that had come before them, you know that just you know the beautiful game team, all the iconic personalities, the two championships there. They were you know seen as like a high price disappointment and a bunch of guys who were selfish, which you know was kind of partly true and partly not true. But, um, but yeah, I mean it's really interesting because you know that was the last year of um the Sonics under Bill Russell, who was the coach and the GM, you know, they made the playoffs the last couple of years. They actually, you know, he had a sort of a feud with Spencer Haywood, who's a big superstar, mm-hmm. but even after trading him, you know, they still were, a, you know, a playoff team, you know, they'd slick Watson, Fred Brown, you know, they, they were okay. Obviously getting um, McAdoo would have you know, had a lot of upside and maybe it would have you know, turned them into a, a potential um, contender out West, but, you know, they end up, you know, not doing that. They kind of fall a little bit, you um, You know, Russell's out of there and then suddenly, you know, they get the regime change. Lenny Wilkins comes in to be the GM and eventually the coach. And then, you know, all the stuff that happens to get Jack Sigma, Paul Silas, Marvin Webster, Gus Williams and John Johnson probably doesn't happen um, there. So, um, you know, it, it may getting in McAdoo, you know, obviously would have been like getting a huge talent in, but they probably don't make the moves that end up, you know, leading to them going to the finals in 78, and getting the title in 79.
1: Right, right. It's one of those weird sort of, and, and there's going to be a bunch of those as we talk about these trades, a weird one. And, and And this is one where it's like, yeah, none of the players that we talked about really like, played a part or, or that big of a part in them becoming, you know, the championship team and and, and going to those finals. But it, it, it does sort of – it makes you wonder, okay, well, if they get McAdoo and maybe Russell stays and then maybe you don't get the Regine James over to Lenny Wilkins and and, and how important was that? And and maybe they just are a team that wins like, you know, 39 to 40 games a year or whatever. And then do you make yeah. g- giant sweeping changes and bring in those guys and draft guys. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, when, when you think about trades, you you look at, yeah, okay, you know, or trades that fell through. Like, yeah, okay, it, it, you know, these players didn't get traded, so they stayed on this team. So, what did they do? But you also have to think of the ripple effects too of of you know the difference of being a bad team versus being a middling team, or like an okay team versus a good like that. That does change your future and how you kind of go about that future. So, yeah, it's hard to it, it, it's hard to envision them making all the moves that they did to get to where they got to by the end of the decade if they had gotten McAdoo, But you yeah. know, you you never know exactly. So it's kind of all hypotheticals.
0: Right. Well, especially that quickly. I mean, yeah, they, I mean they there's a very specific, you know, sequence of events that's hard hard to imagine replicating, you know, again, if they, because basically, you know, they make that trade, they have McAdoo, they have Slick Watts, they have Fred Brown, um, you know, they have, uh, they, they have Dennis Johnson, who's, you know, was a rookie, um, obviously was going to emerge, but, you know, maybe he would have gotten some more room. So that, you know, that might've been a 45, 50 win team. Yeah, oh, um, sure. Yeah, you know, they, they they still would have been good, but it's hard to imagine them being, you know, a championship contender under um those circumstances. But um but yeah, as you mentioned, you know, McAdoo ends up going to the Knicks uh, just for John Giannelli and Cash, which, you know, again was definitely less value of the cash, I'm sure, was handy for them. Um, <laughs> and as we said, yeah, I mean he has, you know, I, I think two and a half years with the Knicks, you know, they're they're okay, but not great. Then he kind of bounces around just like like a half a season with the Celtics and sort of feuds with coaching management there, they didn't want him. The the owner who by by then was John My Brown actually made the trade for um, McAdoo without like consulting Red Arback, which you know is kind of important to, consult <laughs> to your
1: team, ask you Red Arback. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah, like, hey, not you like, you know, that, not necessarily yeah. like a,
1: a guy with any sort of power in the in the Boston Celtics organization at all so yeah just just definitely go over his head that shouldn't cause any issues
0: yeah and then he goes to the the, goes to the pistons um for some picks and um you know they you know kind of meets a team in turmoil you know Bob Lanier wants out he deals with injuries and you know some feuding with uh management there's it kind of being a situation where um you know like the, the Pistons were tanking and didn't want him back at the end of the season and or maybe he didn't want to come back and depress his contract value. So there's all the, you know, kind of frustration there. And then, you know, he has a bit of a stint with the Nets and, you know, it's basically pariah before he revives his career with the uh, Lakers as a bench score. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know maybe you know maybe Seattle's a more stable situation for him a winning situation and he has a better you know second half of his career I man it's a possibility too um, oh
1: for sure yeah it, I, could, I could definitely yeah. see that I, I I definitely see the trade maybe it doesn't help you know the Sonics become a title team but I think it absolutely helps uh Bob McAdoo's career but it's you know it's hard to say because you know it, right. you, you don't know but yeah the Knicks was not a stable place to be at, at sure. that time the Celtics when he went, goes there you know he's he's still trying to kind of fit in and in that uh, yeah, and you you definitely can see you know Seattle probably being a better landing spot for him, but yeah, it's it's impossible right.
0: to say for sure. Sure, of course, yes. What do we got next?
1: Next, we have Dennis Rodman to the Suns. Yes, a uh, little-known Dennis Rodman to the Suns trade here. September 1993. Uh, I wrote here, not often something uh, involving Dennis Rodman gets held up because of another player's uh, substance issues, but uh, it does happen here uh, as the Pistons are set to trade uh, Dennis Rodman, who is at that time still the NBA's leading rebounder. last two years, uh, he had been the leading rebounder, but they are kind of done with the whole Dennis Rodman thing. Uh, They're ready to send him to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, But they backed off when they learned that a key piece of the trade, Richard Dumas, uh, who was really the Suns breakout player, I'd say, in 1993. Yes, you get Charles Barkley. Yeah, you you add Charles Barkley to a super talented roster. But, man, look at what Richard Dumas did that year. I mean, he comes out of the gates and immediately, I think it's, I I don't know if it's technically his rookie year or or how that (laughs) technically works, uh, given that, you know, his suspensions, because he got suspended in 1991 or whatever. But, you know, you look at his scoring. Yeah, it's really good scoring across the board, really good in the playoffs, just like a, a steady guy, like the second or third option uh on on offense so yeah it's it's obviously charles barkley that turns around that franchise but i don't think they make it as far as they do and i don't think they're as good as they are in 93 uh, w- without Dumas but uh, yeah so he's a key player in the trade uh, that the pistons are hoping to acquire but then they find out that he is in an aftercare program uh, for substance abuse uh, pretty famously John Lucas's uh, aftercare program and, and and Lucas you know somebody who, who dealt with those issues through many many years of his life uh, has has opened this you know for, for professional athletes who are kind of going through substance abuse issues you know looking to kind of move on and 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 hopefully better their lives and their careers uh, and Dumas is in there so the pistons say ah, actually we don't really want to do this trade anymore uh, but there's some interesting stuff that goes around it as well. Um, as I mentioned, Dumas, he had previously served one-year suspension uh, for violating the league substance abuse policy. Uh, and that's going to be a constant in Dumas's career other than that 1993 season, like that great year where it's like, oh, man, this is what this guy is capable of. Uh, he'd really never get to there ever again. He'd, he'd miss the entire 93-94 season, so... I guess good idea by the Pistons is not make this trade Uh, again to those issues. And his career never really gets back on track. He bounces around a bunch of different places. I think he ends his career in New Jersey uh, or whatever, but never quite uh, gets it all together. And, you know, as far as this deal, It's a huge trade for both teams when you when you really look at it. Like, let's assume that Richard Dumas is 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 over his substance abuse issues, and you're going to get the production you got from him in the Suns, and then imagine Dennis Rodman is still Dennis Rodman, (laughs) you know, still the great rebounder, great defender, all that sort of stuff. Like, that's a great trade. Like, that's you know the 62 win uh, Phoenix Suns, you know, in their playoff birth, you know, the NBA Finals birth, I should say, the year prior. Um, Yeah, Richard Dumas is a key part of that. Like I said, a big big part of that. But man, Rodman would have really added to that team a lot as well because they did not have like. A real, other than Barkley, of course, they didn't really have another really good, good like big man. You, you're relying on like your Alver Millers and your Mark Wests uh, and those sort of guys, who are fine players, but they're not Dennis Rodman. And like, yeah, you could really see uh, Dennis Rodman potentially working well uh, with those Suns. The problem, though, <laughs> potentially you bringing on Dennis Rodman is that you have Charles Barkley and Dennis Rodman on the same team. And I, I don't know. I don't really know if I want to be the coach uh, of a Dennis Rodman, Charles Barkley team. You?
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, that, That's definitely uh, a, a question that I would have. And, you know, you, as, as you mentioned here, of course, Rodman does go to the Spurs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the Spurs, you know, regular season play pretty well. Um, but eventually Rodman, you know, ends up being, you know, a, a personality that does not mix well with the Spurs locker room. They cast him out, you know, after a couple years. Um, and and you, know, you wonder how it would have been in um in Phoenix, you know. They, of course, you know, is he somebody who's going to mesh well with Paul Westfall? Is Paul Westfall going to put up with that? You know, are are things going to be fine with Barkley? Yeah, I, I don't know. I could kind of go either way with Barkley because Barkley's kind of a goof off, too. Does somebody have to be kind of be you know, you, you, we, obviously you know, we had the last dance, you know, a, a lot of the focus on that is, you know, they've been bring, them taking the risk and bringing in Rodman and how, you know, they had to be really careful with, you know, having him fit the team and he caused disruption sometimes, but obviously it was an excellent player, you know, do, do the Suns have that kind of culture that they could have handled it? Yeah, maybe, you know, I mean, it feels like they had leaders there, you know, uh, with, with Johnson and Barkley and um, they might have, had, I mean, I, I think the risk would have been worth, worth the, um, you know, it would have been worth taking a chance there. I mean, um, you know, they they were, you know, they, they made the Western Conference Semis, lost in seven games to the Rockets. Obviously, Rodman could have you know, definitely mm-hmm. made a difference there. And, and you know, like you were giving up a potentially good young player, but obviously, who did, barely played with them for the rest of time, so they didn't they didn't lose anything. They didn't know they were losing anything. But um, yeah, it, it's a um, it's it definitely something that could have you know gone either way. Could have really you know, um, you know, burn the team like it kind of did the Spurs or, you know, it could have been a really big success and, you know, they could have definitely been a championship contender and made the finals again for sure.
1: Yeah, it's 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 fascinating to see where that would have went. And and one thing I was unable to find in, in doing research for this is I, I... – I couldn't find if the Suns knew that Dumas was in this aftercare program and just kind of said, hey, here you go, Pistons. And they were like, hey, what's going on with your Dumas? They're like, we don't know. We have no idea. Just, yeah. just sign the trade. Call the trade in. Come on, do it. Do it. Do it. Because, like, I don't know. I couldn't find it. Like, it seems just weird that, like, you know, the Pistons would be like, hey, uh, the guy that you're going to trade us, like. You know, he's in a program for his substance abuse issues Is that, you know, we're not going to do the show. Tr- like, I, I couldn't find if 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 that was something that kind of surprised everybody or if it was just something right. that kind of case. So uh, I, I'm not I'm not declaring malice on, on this end of the suns like they may have been just as surprised. Uh, as the Pistons were. I just find it kind of interesting that, yeah, one of the, the key parts of the deal. Uh, and we don't have the exact deal laid in. We do know that Dumas was a part of it. We know that Rodman was a part of it. Uh, there was rumors that Joe Dumars was potentially uh, involved as well, but it's impossible. It, without, we just know Dumas and, and Rodman were the key pieces and then salary-wise, a bunch of other guys were going to get moved in and, and and added or whatnot. But uh, what okay. we do know is that eventually uh, Detroit would trade Rodman uh, to, like you said, San Antonio. He'd go there, uh, get traded for Sean Elliott and, and, and a package of other players and, of course, Sean Elliott would return one year later uh, to the Spurs. And then, like you said, um, Rodman in in San Antonio, he'd lead the NBA in rebounding two years, but they uh, were kind of done with the Rodman experiment. And by the time they traded him to the bulls, uh, all they wanted back was Will Purdue. And and of course he'd go to the bulls and uh, he'd lead the NBA in rebounding three more times and then pick up three more titles along the way as well until his career spun into disarray uh, on his own self with the Lakers and the Mavericks and, and whatever the hell he does today. So sure.
0: Sure. Um, Next, we have uh, Julius Irving Uh, rumors that he was going to be sent to the Clippers in June. (laughs) Can you even imagine?
1: (laughs) Can you even imagine? What? So the
0: uh, the, there's an article about it from UPI archives um, that basically they had the Clippers and Sixers. I had agreed to the trade, but the Sixers left it up to Irving, you know, the final approval of it. And Irving said, absolutely not. But um, the idea was the, it would have been Irving and the Sixers first round pick. It was Leon Wood. So the Sixers had two first round picks that year. One of course being Barkley, the other being Leon Leon Wood, I think was 11th overall. And it would have been for Terry Cummings and $1.5 million. So Terry Cummings, was the '83 Rookie of the Year, still excellent after a second season? Um, you know, a- excellent player, um, and who, who kind of wanted out of um, wanted out of, of the Clippers, out of San Diego. I can't imagine why, but um,
1: <laughs> the first and only player to ever uh, feel uncomfortable playing for the uh, Clippers. So yeah, believe it or right.
0: not. Um, in the Sixers, you know, they fell off quite a bit in 84, you know, after winning the championship in 83, they went down from 65 wins, to 52 wins. They were upset in the nets in the first round of the playoff. It was interesting as I, I kind of looked at the key guys and, you know, the performance differences between, um, 83 and 84 and Irving actually, you know, he was basically the same in 83 and 84. I mean, he was 34 years old at that point, but he was, you know, basically the same player. Really the guy who fell off was Moses, who was, um, you know, I mean, still a good player, but was not nearly MVP level player um, anymore. And, um, and, but, but, you know, their, their defense, you know, basically stayed the same you know, in terms of defensive rating in the league, but their offense slipped a lot. They went from fifth in offensive rating to 14th in offensive rating. So I thought that was, I guess you would kind of figure, okay, just Irving got old and, you know, he, he kind of dipped. But um, Moses, you know, he was only 28, but he also had a lot of miles on him because, you know, obviously, um, you know, coming into the league from high school. So, um, he aged a little bit early, but, um, anyway, uh, yeah, but the Clippers at that point, were going from San Diego to Los Angeles, which is against the wishes of the NBA. Um, we're looking for a big star to give them some credibility. Um, and Irving's in Cummings. Irving and Cummings actually had fairly similar production for the next three three years. Cummings um, was a bit better, um, but of course, you know he had another decade plus in him. And you know, kind of imagining a Sixers team with you know Cummings and Barkley and Cheeks and you know Tony, what was kind of left with him before injuries and Malone. I mean, there. I would say there's still definitely an Eastern Conference powerhouse in the second half of the. 80s maybe even in the early 90s what do you think
1: yeah no definitely it, it yeah to, to me the shock is just like you know trading julius serving a year after you know winning the title it right. seems like maybe the city of philadelphia a, 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 a usually like very logical and, and well you know well-mannered uh fan base i'm sure would not get upset at that at all but yeah you're right like it would be a tough sell to say hey we traded julius serving uh, you know, a year after we won the title, everybody being like, "What the fuck? What are you guys doing?" But like, no, you're not wrong. Like Terry Cummings and 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 you know, the shock is just, oh my god, they're gonna trade Julius Irving. But you really look at it, and Terry Cummings' production at that time, really, really good. Uh, very similar to Irving, comes off a of rookie of the year, 23 years old. Like, it's actually a really good trade. Like, it's a trade for the future. It's 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 cashing out of hey, this might be the end of of the of the run. Uh, for us, you know, with this current unit, which is absolutely correct. They were absolutely right in that, is that 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 was the highest of high that that team was going to do. Y- yeah, you said like a, a Terry Cummings, Charles Barkley, Maurice Cheeks, you know, Andrew Toney, you know, that That's a pretty damn good team. Definitely still a powerhouse, yeah. and I think definitely contends all throughout the rest of the eighties. And then, yeah, maybe even does a little bit in the nineties, as opposed to, you know, i <laughs> up happy with the Sixers, which was uh, right. not that, but uh, yeah, I, I sure. it, it's, it's a real tough sell to the fan base, but yeah, one that I, I, I think had they, you know, done it and, and the success had come, which we kind of assume would have come uh, it could have been one that, that, you could definitely say, Hey, one of the all time kind of ballsiest trades that a team made, but, but a real good one. But yeah, of course it uh, it does not happen. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the Sixers were better in 85 and 86, you know, they were still contending for, you know, the, um, championship. Of course, by then the, the, um, Celtics, excuse me, had surpassed them, but, um, you know, yeah, they, they even made a run with, um, with Irving, but yeah, I think with Cummings, they definitely have a shot at being, you know, 55, 60 win teams. And I, I think the fan base forgives them if they, you know, if they're still in contention, but, uh, but yeah, obviously, you know, that that's a tough sell to, um, selling her ring at that point. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then the Clippers end up trading Cummings later that off season It's September of 84. We get um, Cummings and Craig Hodges for Ricky Pierce to the Bucks for junior Bridgman, Harvin catchings um, Marcus Johnson and cash Marcus Johnson, former UCLA player kind of becomes the credible star that the Clippers are looking for, you know, for the next couple of years, he still performs, you know, pretty much at an all-star level. Um, but he suffers basically a career ending back injury in 87. The Clippers, you know, still a mess, of course. Um, otherwise, in fact, in, in a, a year after the trade, they try to reverse it after they discovered that Johnson had gone to rehab while still with Bucks. Uh the NBA didn't go for that. Um and Cummings, yeah, he's got an all NBA appearance in eighty five, uh, also a couple all star appearances and keeps the Bucks, you know, helps keep the Bucks relevant for the rest of the decade you know basically transitioning from you know an, an older team to a younger team so exactly what it potentially could have done for the Sixers it did for for the Bucks.
1: yeah absolutely it, it, it's it ended up working out pretty well for for you know obviously <laughs> more, more for you know some other teams than others but uh yeah no it ended up uh you know working out for both teams in in, in some ways but yeah you, you do wonder again yeah what, what would have happened with the Sixers but uh, yeah still still worked and Got away from, you know, <laughs> the Clippers, so good yeah. for him, so.
0: Yeah. And so a handful of other somewhat related trade attempts, rumors, kind of 84-ish, uh, there's the owner of the Sixers, Harold Katz, had said in a book that he offered Irving to the Bulls for the number three pick, which, in which they would have chosen Michael Jordan. He said he thought he had a deal with the then Bulls owner is before Ryan's, just before Reinserf comes in to own the team. But the Bulls' GM, Rod Thorn ended up um, nixing it. So uh, also some potential for trading Cummings for Jordan because, um, you know, um, Cummings was a Chicago native. Mm-hmm. He went to DePaul. Um, there's a report from the Chicago Tribune in June of '84 that the Bulls, Clippers, and Mavericks were working on a three-way deal. I couldn't find the details, but you know the Bulls would have gotten Cummings, and the number three pick would have gone to the Clippers, who theoretically would have selected Jordan um, if the uh, if, if the Blazers had ended at number two. Um, and then also from the Jordan rules, the Clippers had offered any combination of five players or j- draft choices and. Exchange for Jordan after the '88 season, the Bulls apparently considered drafting Rick Smith and Mitch Richmond in that draft. Um, and then in Akeem Olajuwon's biography, uh, he says that the Blazers offered um, Clyde Drexler and the number two overall pick, in which the um, Rockets would have uh, chosen Michael Jordan for Ra- Ralph Sampson. Um, so take, that's I think that's when we're taking with a grain of salt, but mm-hmm. it's there.
1: Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That one's, yeah. those are all kind of wild. Yeah. And, and of course, in hindsight and, and, and some of those wild, even at the time, like the 88 one, the, the, well, yeah. um the, you know, the, the Clippers offering, you know, and the bulls saying, ah, hmm, Rick Smith and rich Mitch, Mitch Richmond. It's like, you know, uh, I <laughs> right. I'd probably keep right. Michael Jordan he, right. you know, just just scored like 35 points a game. You know, I might want to just yeah. hit a lot of that guy, but uh, yeah, some of those other ones are like the Irving to the bulls. One is always really fascinating to me. The, the one where, you know, because again you know you don't know what you have in Michael Jordan you don't know what you have in draft picks and at those times like you know gms were really volatile with draft picks and and, and with young players and then you're like oh Julius serving all right cool let's go like that one i could absolutely see absolutely see happening and and thank god <laughs> rod Thorne was smart enough not to do it but uh yeah you can absolutely buy uh the bulls brass being like oh great julius serving dr j coming to town who cares yeah great like you know not knowing you know that yeah what, what you have in that number 3 pick but uh yeah those are all pretty interesting ones there yeah. Well, speaking sure. of the Bulls, move on to here to Scotty Pippen for Sean Kemp, uh, July 1994. We've talked about this deal at length in prior episodes, the last dance episode. I think we've done a Scotty, uh, entire Scotty Pippen episode that we've talked about it. We have definitely talked about this trade three or four times. So I'm not going to go into huge details as I'm sure most of you guys know about it, but uh, we will re- recap it though because it is an important one here. Uh, so 1994, July 1994, this hit goes down. Uh, of course, you know, we got to go a few years prior to, to really understand why this trade happens here. Uh, Pippen sizes contract extension at literally the worst possible time uh, in, in NBA history, potentially uh, as he signs the deal. And then about a year later, the NBA money explodes uh, resulting in Pippen having one of the worst NBA contracts given his production. I mean, you, you look at the list of, 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 you know, guys per year money. And, and like, you know, in like 94, he's like 80th you know in the league or whatever. And it's just absolutely nuts. But yeah, it all comes at a, at a very terrible time for him to sign it right before, uh, the money explodes. And, you know, in the last dance, they talk about how a lot of people said, eh, Scotty, I don't know if you want to sign this right now. And he, you know, rightfully so said, hey, no, I, I, I'm i you know, I want to get my money right now. I want to move my mom out of her house. I want to, you know, do this sort of thing. He was supporting a, a family that had some issues. He had like a brother. Wasn't it a brother that was paralyzed? Am I uh, remembering that correctly? Or was it a brother yeah, or a cousin? I, it was some family member that was paralyzed.
0: Right. I. I forget offhand. I don't forget it, if it was brother, or father, it. or something
1: yeah. like that. But no, he and like so to him, it's like oh no, I want this money right now because there's a lot of things I need to do or want to do with this money. So totally justified at the time, but yeah, pretty quickly it results in in, in one of the NBA's worst contracts, uh, and that you know causes a lot of tension. And and you know what also causes tension is the departure of Michael Jordan from the Bulls. Uh, Pippen is now the de facto leader and the star again. That makes the contract issues more glaring when he's leading a team and a pretty good team uh, as well. Even even without Jordan, he's leading them to the playoffs and 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 you know making some decent runs. Uh, Tony. Kukoc comes into the picture, and that doesn't help matters either because he's obviously paid significantly better uh, than Scottie Pippen is. You also have the infamous game-winning Kukoc shot where Pippen refuses to check in. So there was a lot of tension going on with the Bulls and Scottie Pippen, and it seemed inevitable that at some point it was going to come to a head. Uh, in the 94 offseason, those that, that had, were here because the Bulls have a deal in place uh, to send Pippen to Seattle uh, for star Seattle star Sean Kemp and veteran Ricky Pierce. Uh, Michael Jordan, who was a golf buddy of George Carl at the time, uh, is is noted and quoted as saying that Seattle would be getting a major, uh, major uh, star here and they'd be getting definitely the better uh, of the deal. Uh, As this deals float around, the Seattle public does not agree. They vehemently protest the deal and eventually uh, Sixers owner Barry Ackerley nixes the deal and it's off and it does not happen. Uh, and and you know it would all become moot again uh because jordan's gonna return to the bulls midway through the ninety four-95 season so they decide not to trade Scottie Pippen anymore although it seems like every offseason and we talked about this uh during the last dance and other episodes as well. It seemed like every offseason there was a deal again or there was an idea that Scottie Pippen was going to get traded, but he ends up obviously uh finishing uh that Bulls run, winning three more titles uh with the uh, uh the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan comes back, all that sort of stuff. Yay. yeah yay. Uh but interestingly enough they uh, one of the titles nineteen ninety six NBA finals uh does come in a win over the Seattle Supersonics. So, yeah, it gets us three more titles. Uh, But as we said, like, that wasn't the end of the rumored, you know, Scottie Pippen trades. Those would go many, many, many times throughout the year's uh, 1995 trade deadline. The rumor uh, Pippen goes to the Suns. Uh, for Dan Marley, Wesley Person, and two first-round picks. Uh, also, the Clippers are apparently interested as well. Clippers always trying to get stars. <laughs> the yep. Clippers. Yeah. So, nobody really wants to go there as free agents, so the only way to really get stars is to trade for them and force them to come to your team. Uh, 94 draft, there's also rumors that pip into the Raptors for uh, the number nine pick, which wound up being Tracy McGrady. Uh, also uh, 97 90- draft. Yeah, oh, sorry, what was draft,
0: that? yeah. You, you, sorry, you said 94, but 97 Oh, sorry, draft. sorry,
1: sorry, 97 draft, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, also 97 draft uh, Pippen and Luke Longley to the Celtics for either the number three uh, or number six overall picks or the number three overall pick and Antoine Walker uh, as well. So yeah, you can either get two first round picks or the number three overall pick and Antoine Walker. Some interesting ones there. Uh, also apparently rumors of uh, Scottie Pippen to the Sixers for Jerry Stackhouse. Like we said, they were literally every single year trading Scotty Pippen for literally anybody they could possibly trade him for. Uh, and then uh, finally uh, 1999, as, as everything's kind of crumbling here. Pippin's to the Lakers for Eddie Jones and Eldon Campbell. But uh, Jerry West, who... Of course, is, is, is leading the Lakers at the time says that that one wasn't that close either. So uh, eventually, he does get moved on to the Houston Rockets, sign and trade, and ends up you know there for a year. Uh, then the Portland Trail Blazers, and then you know, of course back to the Bulls and, and all that sort of stuff with Scottie Pippen uh, and Sean Kemp. Yeah, they uh, Seattle did not want to trade Sean Kemp. The Seattle public did not want to trade Paul, uh, Sean Kemp. The Barry Ackerly, the Suns owner didn't want to trade Sean Kemp, and or the, the the Sonics owner. Uh, and eventually, he does not trade him, and and well the Cavs thing and, you know, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Right. Sean Kemp. So sure, you know how that sure. went. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. A very interesting trade is, is, as you look at things like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Kemp and Jordan win a title or two, right? Like I don't, probably, I you know, like, probably, like, that's yeah. great, but like Sean Kemp was great too for a lot of years. So it's like hard to believe that, you know, adding Jordan to, I mean, maybe you see, you, there's chemistry issues that don't make it happen, but uh, it's hard to not think that, you know, Sean Kemp and, and, and Michael Jordan get at least a few titles in there, right?
0: Yeah, maybe not three in a row. Um, although, you know, Pippen obviously was injured that last year. Mm-hmm. And um, so Camp probably would have been better that last year. Um, the fit isn't quite as good. Obviously, you know, Camp doesn't do all the – he's not as good of a defensive player. You know, he's not a guy who can, you know, really handle the ball as much um, or is likely to do that anyway. So, I mean, I'd rather have Pippen, but I could see it working fine with Camp and Jordan and still – you know they, they still would have been amazingly good, but um, but yeah, I, I think it's less likely they would have won three championships in a rough. I feel like something would have uh derailed them at least one of those years,
1: yeah. I i percent understand agree. I'd, I'd probably rather have Pippen as well, but I do i do like the idea too of Sean Kemp just throwing yeah. down alley oops. All all oh, yeah. like, right. It sounds yeah. awesome, like yeah, I think they probably right. were better off not doing it, but yeah, the idea of Michael Jordan on a fast break just lobbing up a you know, alley oop to Sean Kemp uh, right. sounds pretty sweet. And, and and let me tell you, like, I don't know what am I eight or nine at this time like nine-year-old me would have
0: absolutely loved. It. like i love
1: scotty <laughs> yeah. pippen but god damn having sean kemp right in nineteen ninety four yeah. would have been awesome because that, that dude was
0: been, yeah. great <laughs> like right posters everywhere let's go yeah so um Next, we go to June 1986 uh, and rumors of a trade of James Worthy and Byron Scott to the Mavericks. They were going to send Mark Aguire and the number seven pick in the draft, which of course was uh, Roy Tarpley of uh, Michigan. Um, and. Uh, It it got to the point where Tarpley's agent was reluctant to allow him to come to Dallas for the press conference because he was certain that Tarpley was going to be traded to the Lakers. Maverick said, no, no, we, you know, we're, it's all, you know, it it didn't happen or it's faked or it's overblown or whatever. Um, So um, hard to say how close it came, but uh, it definitely was reported at the time as being very close. Um, At that point, you know, the Lakers in the 86 playoffs, they were upset by the young you know, Ralph Sampson and Hakeem Olajuwon Rockets in the 87 Western Conference Finals. Uh, imagine if it had been Jordan Drexler and uh, Olajuwon, it would, been, it would have been even worse. Um, <laughs> and you know, perhaps they were looking at options for retooling. You know, the Mavericks were, you know, a little bit plucky and up and coming. They had taken the Lakers to six games in the conference semis. You know, they had three solid seasons in a row under Dick Mata. You know, pretty young core of Aguirre, Rolando Blockman. um Sam Perkins, Brad Davis, uh, Vin- Jay Vincent as well. Um, you know, and, and some guys in the bench that we'll talk about as well that you know also looked like they were gonna be pretty stout. Um, you know, Guire was their best scorer. He averaged about 25 points on 55% true shooting over the past three seasons, would continue similar production 87, 88, made the all-star team um both years. So now, you know, getting getting him instead, um, you know, alongside Magic Johnson, maybe not necessarily yeah, that, that might have worked okay, I think. Um you, you know, maybe um he needs to get, you know, a little bit more ball movement, you know, less isolation scoring, but that that'd have been okay. He would have done what worthy did defensively. But um and then tarpoli you know, was really a talented young big man. There were already rumors of drug use that were actually mentioned in the article um originally, you know, when he was drafted. Um he actually started his career well enough, mm-hmm. made the all rookie team his first year, second year was sixth man of the year, but Third year began having issues with with injuries and then a series of DWI arrests and, and drug test failures that you know um, basically uh, derailed his, his um, career, and then he was banned before the nineteen ninety two season after three mandatory drug tests.
1: Yeah, it's uh so on its face, again, one of these trades it sounds absolutely ludicrous. Like you're like, what Roy Tarpley? Like what are you doing? But like at the time, man, yeah, there was a lot of potential for 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 him, and you know, a big, you know, a young big man, um, a guy who, like you said, with, with you know, wins Rookie of the Year. Does I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that you, you can look at with um with with Roy Tarpley and and, and think, you know, um. Or maybe all rookie team, not, not rookie of the year, but, like, you know, a, a guy that, like, absolutely has all the potential in the world. And, yeah, you absolutely see why the Lakers may have made the idea of saying, hey, you know what, let, let, let's let do it. Let, let's, you know, retool, get younger, um, get better. And, and this, is a, this is a franchise-altering trade for both teams if it goes through. Because I, I, I really do think the Mavericks, that would have been a great idea for them to get worthy. And, and, and Byron Scott, um, Tarpley, you know, maybe retools. They like, get a perfect world retools the Lakers, but yeah, it's it's on its face, it's kind of like, oh my god, for Roy Tarpley, thank God they didn't do that. But yeah, in in the moment at the time, it wasn't that wild. It's just yeah, knowing where Tarpley's career was going to go, and maybe being smart enough to look at some of the you know unfortunate signs that were, were already poking up um, before he had even gotten drafted. Yeah, it was it, it, the Lakers probably dodged a bullet here by not 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 doing this.
0: Yeah, so, so um, you know the the Lakers meanwhile you know, they end up, you know, there's obviously pressure for them to make a move after they lose in the playoffs, but they, they, they didn't panic there. They end up, you know, pretty much bringing back the, um, the team as is, uh, and end up making a midseason trade, um, to Blazers for, for Michael Thompson. And then, you know, of course they, in 87, they, they win the championship and win in an 88 and you know, make four finals in five years with Thompson. So, you know, it goes well for them to not make a move. Um, as you said, yeah, maybe they could have gotten one or two good years out of Tarpley and McGuire and, and kind of been okay, but um, not likely they would have been that successful, obviously. Um, and, it, you know, if, if unless, you know, they can keep Tarpley clean and, you know, have a productive career, but, the, you know, he's still going to have the injuries, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, unlikely that works out well for them. For the Mavs, you know, it's interesting, you know, they um, they actually took a leap in 87 um, under John McLeod, who's a new coach. They go from 44 to 55 wins. They finish fourth in the league in SRS, but they actually end up uh, were upset by the Sonics in the first round, which is the Dale Ellis revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I you know, it's interesting because, you know, do you, would they have been better off with Worthy who was only 25 and Scott who was only 24 instead of McGuire and Tarpley? Um, and I'm sure, actually, I think they would have been, but are they a title contender? It, it, it kind of depends on what level Worthy reaches as their board option because you've, you've got – you got Derek Harper, who's twenty five. You uh-huh. got Rolando Blackman, who's twenty seven. Worthy and Perkins, who are twenty five. James Donaldson is twenty nine. It's kind of kind of the, the center is kind of the weak point there. The bench you've got Detlef left Shrimp, who's twenty four. You got Byron Scott again, twenty four. Brad Davis, who's you know kind of the original um, Maverick from the expansion season, who's thirty one, still okay, but you know definitely deep off the bench. Now they had Al Wood, who was twenty eight. If they'd have. Kept Dale Ellis instead of trade for him. Obviously, they're better off if they, if they keep Elvis, young and is about to blow up as a scorer. And then, you know, like their center, you know, backup centers are Bill Wennington, who's 23 and UA Blob was 24. So, um, you know, obviously, Wennington ends up having, you know, fairly solid careers as a backup center. But um, that's obviously the, you know, the the very weak point of um, of their team.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing you mentioned there, I think is, is the most important thing is what does Worthy do as like the top guy, you know, and and he never really had to be that in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, he was still a tremendous player and still a big part. But yeah, he's there's no Magic Johnson on that team. You listen, a lot of really good young players. Uh, but none of them are Magic Johnson. And none of them are Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So uh, that's really the key there is, is if you think Worthy could have said, all right, cool. Now the team is mine. I'm the top guy, like whatever. I need to be the top scorer. I can do that. And, and I could definitely see Worthy doing that, but yeah, you do you do wonder if that that may have been the stuff. Because like on its face, like you look at that and you're like, well, yeah, that team's awesome. Like that team's great. Um, but yeah, you do have to sort of bake in there, does does Worthy, you know, take that leap and, and become a top top guy? And even to a lesser extent, Byron Scott, too, is, is probably relied upon to be a little bit more of a, a an all around player uh than he was for the Lakers. So yeah, it, it it's tough to say. It would have been a really fun trade. I would, really would have liked to see that trade happen because it would have been Um, So, I mean, you have to imagine something changes in those late 80s and and, and gets turned around there. But, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, do the Lakers... You know who, who improves, who gets worse? Do both teams still improve? It's just it's fascinating too that this trade's about to happen is like these teams are still battling with one another because then these guys, are, I mean, th- there's no doubt that like these guys would have met in the playoffs a bunch of other times after that too, well, And that would have been really fun as well. And that's you know just a unique trade that doesn't happen very often where like rivals will trade with each other. It's like no 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 because like you don't want to be you know you don't want the Dale Ellis revenge series again like you're saying you don't want sure. the, no, you know James yeah. Worth to be like you traded my ass now I'm gonna drop thirty on you guys and get you out of you know get out of these playoffs because why did you trade me like you know. That would have been really cool. Or, you know, Mark Aguirre on the same standpoint being like, are you guys silly? Like, when you trade me the Lakers with Magic and Kareem? Like, you guys are nuts. I'm going to kill you. Or Roy Tarpelli being like, come on, man. Draft draft me number one. Like, why would you? So that would have been really awesome to see as well. But, uh, yeah, it ended up, uh, of course, not happening. So
0: Yeah, yeah. So there was another um, potential Dallas trade at the beginning of 89 that I found was uh, the Celtics and Mavericks uh, talking about uh, Kevin McHale. Apparently, they reportedly offered Sam Perkins, left Shrimp, and two first-round picks for McHale and Dennis Johnson. Um, this is reported by Sam Smith. Um, both teams say the discussions merely reached the early stages before being cut off. By Red Arback, but the Dallas sources said they were encouraged because they'd asked about Mikhail many times before, and this was the first time Boston had not immediately said no.
1: So, <laughs> so Red said mm, no, and they went, "Ah, oh, it. you
0: know what? That's not fair. Yeah. We got him he, he saying, to say hmm. the, mm. yeah.' There you go. I mean, they so, really should have. I mean, Boston should have absolutely made
1: that trade. By the way,
0: right? Well, yeah, yeah. At that point, probably, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would say, yeah. I mean, they, you know, Mikhail was still. Okay, you know, he had like two or three pretty good years left. But yeah, they definitely would have yeah, that definitely would have been a good trade to um especially the two first two or first round picks. Yeah, and, and right, Dennis right, Johnson right. was pretty much was done by then. I yeah, mean, exactly. Was, right. Yeah. I mean he, he I think he was you know, I think he that was his last season. So um yeah, that definitely would have been a good trade. But yeah, you know, he, did. <laughs> he didn't immediately say no though. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah.
1: All right, uh, next one here, Allen Iverson to the Pistons, August 2000. Uh, Iverson, of course, the first overall pick in the absolutely loaded uh, 1996 NBA draft. And I, I should note here that Slam Magazine uh, that just did a special 1998 uh, 1996 draft edition of their magazine, which I highly recommend. It is awesome. I have it, and I've been reading through it right now. Great pictures, uh, great articles. Really, really highly recommended. I think it's still available. I think it's just like a Slam magazine, '96. Uh, you you can find it. But uh, anyway, uh, Iverson instant sensation becomes the Sixers' best player almost immediately. Uh, it didn't translate to winning right away, though. Uh, as the problem the Sixers had is, okay, we have Allen Iverson, and he's great, and he's good, and he scores, and he's fun, and he's interesting, and he's he's unique, and he's different. Uh, the problem is, is he doesn't really like passing or like working with other. Their players, So uh became an issue of uh, several second options during Ivan's early years. You know, they go through Jerry Stackhouse and Larry Hughes and eventually they decide on, all right, you know what, let's just get rid of all of our guys that need to score or hold the ball or do anything else and just surround him with solid defenders and, 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 and role players and, and those sort of guys. Uh, And let's get him a real coach. And they get NBA, uh, you know, longtime NBA head coach uh, Larry Brown. They surround him with guys like Aaron McKee and, you know, Eric Snow and those sort of guys. And it ends up working. Uh, Allen Iverson is named to the All NBA first team, uh, averages the league leading 26.8 points per game. And the Sixers finally make the playoffs uh, in the lockout shortened season. Uh, Then Iverson comes into the next offseason with a brand new deal, six year, $70 million extension. Uh, The Sixers once again uh, make the playoffs. They win 49 games. Things are not that rosy, though, despite everything on the outside looking pretty good. Believe it or not, and this may come as a complete shock to you, Jason, but Larry Brown does not get along with Allen Iverson.
0: (laughs) I know. Larry Brown. Next, yeah. Next, (laughs) next, you're going to tell me that he is interested in another coaching (laughs) job. That while he is
1: working for one team, that he might be looking at other teams to potentially. I know it is shocking that Larry Brown and a star. don't see I, I but I, I yeah. assure you, Jason, sources say that this is the case, that Larry Brown right. <laughs> did not get along. I'm just saying. I'm just reporting. You decide. I report. You decide. That's all I'm saying. All right. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's it with uh, Larry Brown. So anyway, they, uh, the Sixers are actively looking to trade uh, Allen Iverson, and they actually have a deal in place. The infamous Allen Iverson to Detroit uh, trade Now this is an interesting one for a lot of cases. Detroit's kind of a I, I wrote here a struggling franchise at the time and I don't know if they're necessarily struggling, but they're they're looking for an identity. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They you know they they had the decent Grant Hill. I mean, Grant Hill comes up and, and he's drafted and he's he's great off the bat, but he's not a generationally great player that many people probably expected him to be. He very quickly was annoyed and was like, oh, here's the next NBA star. Here's the next Jordan. And Grant Hill was great. Like, don't get me wrong. Grant Hill was a very, very good player. He just wasn't that, you know, he wasn't like a guy that's going to, you know, you're going to go, he's going to put you on his back and you're going to go to the NBA finals because you have Grant Hill. He was not that. And, you know, they, they combine him with, you know, former Sixers, you know, second player, uh, Jerry Stackhouse. That doesn't tick him over the hump. And then eventually things kind of all come crashing down in this offseason because Grant Hill is on his way to Orlando. He's got a big new contract, and I'm sure he's going to play a lot of games for the Orlando Magic in that new contract. I'm sure there can't be anything going wrong there (laughs) or any problems there. Um, So the Pistons, fearing that they're going to bottom out without Grant Hill, they decide that they need a star to replace him, and they look to Iverson. Uh, The Sixers, of course, are looking to rid themselves of Iverson. Detroit's looking for a star. It seems like a perfect match. Uh, The proposal on the table, and there are a few ones. We'll talk about a a, a few other ones as well. But the most prominent one that most people talk about uh, is a pretty simple trade here. Uh, It is Allen Iverson and center Matt Geiger heading to Detroit for Jerry Stackhouse uh, and Jerome Williams. Uh, The Lakers would also get involved as well. They do a sign-in trade with Glenn Rice um, while the Pistons would then send Christian Laettner to the Lakers. And Glenn Rice would go to the Sixers, we should say there. So so you have the Sixers trading Allen Iverson, acquiring Jerry Stackhouse, uh, Jerome Junkyard Dog Williams, and uh, Glenn Rice. Pistons are going to send Christian Leighton to the Lakers. And of course, Detroit is going to get uh, um, Allen Iverson. So uh, there's some other ones as well. Uh, The one that I did see, which is actually an interesting trade uh, as well, is uh, Iverson and Geiger to Detroit, uh, Jerry Stackhouse to Charlotte, uh, Eddie Jones and Glenn Rice to Philadelphia, and then Tony Kukoc to the Lakers, which is a pretty interesting one uh, as well. But it doesn't matter because one player, one player out of all those guys I mentioned, had the power to bring it all down. and And of course, is Matt Geiger, who of course uh, has a fifteen percent trade kicker uh, in his deal, a provision that would have that he would have had to waive uh, to make the transaction work under the salary camp. Uh, Matt Geiger at this time inexplicably had four seasons and thirty-four million dollars remaining on his deal, which. I mean, Matt Geiger's a fine player, but gee, God almighty, like, that's a lot of money for Matt Geiger. They, they blame Kevin Garnett for this lockout happening when you're trading, you got Matt Geiger signed for four years and $34 million, and, and Kevin Garnett getting $100 million is the reason, Jawan Howard getting $100 million, that's why these players have made too much money and said you're giving Matt Geiger that much? But anyway, uh, Anyway, he uh, rightfully so refuses to waive that 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 trade penalty. He goes, no, are you kidding me? Give me my money, man. Um, and uh, this is a pretty interesting one here, uh, a quote from Matt Geiger, he says, when it was first presented to me it wasn't that big of a deal i said no then it got interesting and they wanted to know my position and i said no because <laughs> matt geiger <laughs> wants his paper which i don't blame you man why would you do that so uh, he does not do it he refuses to trade his his kicker uh, and geiger then um the deal's off. It doesn't happen. And uh, Allen Iverson stays with the Sixers. Uh, Sixers are set up for uh, arguably their best season since the early 80s uh, as Iverson wins the MVP, leads the Sixers to a miracle finals run as well. Uh, things obviously don't go great after that and ends up kind of ending, you know, ending kind of poorly um, for the Sixers. But hey, they got the run and Allen Iverson kind of became a, a Philadelphia sports legend. Uh, after that, as well, uh, Detroit's they fall into a brief disarray, but of course, would win the title in 2004. And the Lakers would, and instead of having Christian Leitner, they would settle for Horace Grant as their triangle offense linchpin, and they'd go on to win, you know, two more titles, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all the quotes, it's very interesting to read these quotes because, you know, the, the, obviously the trade, you know, it's, it's the, Detroit, it's obvious what they want, it's obvious what the Sixers want at this time. But then you have the Lakers getting involved, and they really want Christian Leitner for some reason. <laughs> like many quotes are Phil Jackson's like, oh, he'd be perfect for the triangle. And it's like, I mean, I guess, but, like, do you really need Christian Leitner? Is that really, like, the, the missing piece of this team? But uh, they end up with Horace Grant, and it didn't matter because they have Kobe and Shaq, so it doesn't matter right. who, yeah. you know, the other guys are. It's like, you know, ah, oh, man, how can we get one yeah. more guy? And it's like, you don't need anybody else. Just go. It's anybody. Uh, Anybody's I,
0: fine. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, Kobe, Shaq, and Leitner, it's your, <laughs> right. you know, it's yeah, your big drink. Shaquille O'Neal. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter
1: who the, third, right. the, the guy in the middle of the, the – and, and it, it, you know, oh, whatever. Anyway. All right. Fair so enough. enough. So that's it. That's I, that. So Iverson does not go to
0: Detroit. But, uh,
1: well, he uh, would eventually go to Detroit, of course. But,
0: uh, well, yeah, but, but not in a time uh, goes relevant It's better yeah. if
1: we just, you know, Alan Iverson retired with the Philadelphia 76 years and,
0: of oh, yeah. the Nuggets. He had the brief Nuggets, Nuggets right. Yeah. And then he retired with the sure. Nuggets. And, and I think yeah. that's all it
1: ended. So sounds right. Grizzlies, get out of here. That never happened. So I, I
0: I'm going to have to disagree with you a little bit on your assessment of Christian Leitner. Um, I mean, he, he did have like four, um, all NBA second teams and one all NBA first team in his first six years. And, uh, and like had a, um, like I'm looking at the uh, just, you know, like boxer plus minus of like over five and, or almost six, I think. And like, I, he was pretty stout. I mean, you know, he wasn't like Jordan level stout, but, but I mean, he was That's a hot
1: take. Are you sure, are you, sure you want
0: to <laughs> you sure put that take down? Or... Yeah. But I mean, like he was like roughly as good as like, as you know, Kobe was about to become, you know, I think it was the injury. I, I think he was, yeah, I mean, he was like one of the two or three best shooting guards in the league mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or forwards or, you know, kind of between forward and shooting guard, you know, whatever he kind of played. He kind of played both. Of but anyway, um, so I don't know. I mean, um, but not not really relevant to the overall uh, arching discussion, but I'm going to go ahead and throw a little bit more of a uh, you're going to force me to um, endorse a new <laughs> player. A which, you know. later.
1: Yeah. I, the one thing I will say is, though, like a lot of that early stuff was like very early in his career and, and things that started to kind of already. Uh, that that first Detroit year, he's hurt and 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 doesn't play all that much. But the second Detroit year, he's he's pretty solid. So I guess so. But yeah, little. Do, I mean, we, it, it, again, it's another one in hindsight because like his career would fall off immediately after that season. But you could absolutely see how the Lakers think that. And and again, he fits into like you know the template of a Phil Jackson triangle is like just you know just get a dude in the middle and just <laughs> get out of the way because you know you don't really need like you know I, I don't really need him. But I, I could I could buy Christian Leighton on the Lakers being a, a key piece. So that's fine. I, I will. I will allow your Christian Leitner
0: defense. No, sorry. My defense was of Grant Hill. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Christian Leitner. I, like, I was a little confused. I was really confused as well. I was
1: like, did he make okay. many all NBA teams? Okay. I am no. so sorry. There we go. No, right, that no,
0: makes no, Grant, more sense. Yes. No, no. I mean, Christian Leitner was all right, but no, but Grant Hill was like really, was like a um, legitimate superstar you know, before going to Orlando and, and being injured. You know, was, I think, you know, was a you know was a top ten, maybe top five player in the league. You know, for for a while. So I, I think he could have carried a championship team. Uh, you know, I he could have been the best player in a championship team under the right circumstances. Yeah, know, potentially.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is is yeah, the, the guys around him in Detroit obviously were not great. Yeah, on <laughs> any yeah. level whatsoever. So not, I suppose no that's answer. right. Yeah, to, to me, I like I, I I see disappointment in those first Grand Hill years, not because of his production, just because of like how well they played. But you're right when you know your next best player is like you know.
0: Old Eric Montross and, like, right. yeah. old-ass
1: Joy. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, Theo Ratliff and, like, a, a comatose, you know, Joe Dumars and Lindsey Hunter. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I'm probably being a little tough on him. You know, Rick Mahorn, they're still like, hey, Rick Mahorn's here. It's like, okay, can we get, like, you know, we, we need real players that are, you know, playing in the league. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that. And maybe not Doug Collins is also a thing, too. Maybe,
0: uh, maybe not, yeah. A <laughs> yeah, better yeah. coach than
1: Doug Collins is always a good yeah. option, too. Right. So. No.
0: so next we have... um a couple from 1992. Uh, first, Charles Barkley to the Lakers. This was reported, um, on Philly.com, um, where they there was a definite uh Charles Barkley for James Worthy trade. Um, although that one was apparently dead, there were indications the Six were still shopping him around. Apparently, the um, in there, Magic Johnson called Barkley and asked him um, if he was interested in playing for the Lakers. Barkley said that he was, and then um, Magic indicated the deal was alive and that he would try to help get it done. Um, that would have been had Magic done so for the acting for the Lakers in an official uh, capacity, the league would consider it tampering. No one ever got punished for it, at least not publicly, um, and. Uh, later uh, barkley would admit that he that the that he was told the trade had happened then he had some drinks with lunch and then later was told the trade was off and then had to play a little bit buzzed with the uh, with the sixers that <laughs> night but the um the trade apparently would have been barkley and ron anderson to the lakers for james worthy and Elton campbell and i mean it's perhaps easy to forget just how awesome barkley was um you know in the late 80s and the early 90s and just how Stellar was in how he carried really remarkably mediocre Sixers teams to, you know, like in 1990, you know, they, they were 53 wins, sixth in the league in SRS, got him to the second round, but really he lost to the Bulls. But from 88 to 92, we averaged 26 points per game, 11.5 rebounds, four assists, 1.6 steals per game on 646 true shooting percentage, which comes despite being one of the worst three point shooters in NBA history. Um, 7.7 7 boxer plus minus, uh, all NBA five times, really four times on the first team, and was second in MVP in 1990. So he was, you know, he was a monster. Um, I, I think people know he was great, but maybe kind of how great he was at his peak, maybe not quite appreciated. But um, it is you know, weird. The,
1: you, not, yeah. not to kind of cut you off, but it is weird that, yeah, he's like really, really good at the Sixers. Right. But like for some reason, he just doesn't get. I I don't know. He just doesn't get like that, that, that love that he deserved. Like everybody kind of knows he goes to Phoenix and then it's like, Oh yeah, then he was great in Phoenix. And then it's like, people know that era. And maybe it's just because it's like the era of the NBA and you know, he's got, he's, he's overshadowed by, you know, Bird and Jordan and, 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 and you know, the Lakers and all that sort of stuff. But it's like, dude, I, man, he's really good with the Sixers and they're a damn good team too. So maybe, maybe all if he had made like one NBA finals run, like maybe that changes the perception. But yeah, you, you, you don't hear a lot about those Sixers run with Barkley and you, you hear more about the negatives and how he was annoying and they wanted to get rid of him and all that sort of stuff and it's like dude yeah maybe he was annoying but like he's really goddamn good so yeah it is it, it is fascinating that you do not hear to, to me at least i don't hear that much about how great he was with the sixers but you're absolutely right
0: yeah and they end up i mean and they fall off those next couple of years you know he's sick of them they're sick of him um you know the getting worthy and campbell probably not you know, about as good of a haul. I mean, these still, you know, pretty good star, but he's definitely, you know, he's getting older, declining a bit. Campbell was just, you know, kind of there. He was an okay big man, but nothing particularly special. I mean, they end up, you know, trading him in the offseason in, uh, in 92 to the Suns for Jeff Hornacek, Andrew Lang, and Tim Perry. Um, the Sixers then traded Hornacek after a year and a half for Jeff Malone at the end of his career in a first-round pick. So, you know, that haul wasn't anything great, but I'm not sure, again, I, I, I'm not sure... It would have been much better or worse than what they did. Interesting for the Lakers because you've got Barkley, he's 28, so not old yet. Um, joining a low level playoff team, you know, with a solid but a bit of an aging cast Adele Threat, Sam Perkins, Byron Scott, Terry Kegel are kind of the key guys. And then only, you know, Vladi Divac, is 23, AC Green, who's 27, were particularly young but I mean the thing that is intriguing is whether and this is just totally my speculation but I'm going to go ahead and make it it's our podcast we can do this Um, whether Barkley going to the Lakers entices Magic Johnson to change his mind about coming out of retirement because you remember he of course was you know with the with the dream team in the 92 Olympics he decides he's going to come back to the NBA he plays a bit in the preseason and then Other players, including Karl Malone, kind of are critical about him coming back or, or, you know, there's fears about HIV. Um, And so Magic changes his mind, decides not to come back. But, you know, maybe, you know, okay, now the Lakers have another superstar I can play with. This is going to be a more fun, exciting challenge, a chance to win a championship. Maybe he comes back. And then I I think that's a really interesting what if about how good the Lakers are, you know, with Barkley and Magic, if they can retool around a bit, you know, are they – a title contender, you know what what kind of happens there? Because that's a really, I think, an interesting what if.
1: Yeah, that, that that is. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. I. I... I love the trade for the Lakers, but yeah, it does it it, it does present some issues as well. Uh, the Sixers, I don't love it for them, but obviously, you, you know what, what ended up happening with, with Barkley probably isn't great either. So, um, I guess it would have been better with Worthy and Campbell. It's it's it, it's I don't know. It, it is a tough. I, I think Worthy probably gives them a little bit more respectability going a little bit longer. Uh, instead of the Jeff Hornacek, Andrew Lang, Tim Perry thing, which, you know, didn't go very well, but a lot of that is because of how the Sixers treated it. So I had like no faith in the Sixers at that time to actually like understand what the hell to do with anybody. So, um, I guess they probably would have screwed it up too, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I I do like it a lot for the Lakers. Uh, even though that team, you know, it, 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 it's weird though, because that team was kind of in flux and, and, and actually probably was better off that they kind of, went down as much as they did as quickly as they did because they were able to kind of rebuild uh, pretty, pretty quick as well. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's pretty fascinating, but um, it's hard to, with, with, with the volatility of, of Charles Barkley, it's hard to ever, you know, kind of predict where he was going to go or what was going to happen with him. So
0: sure. Well, it's funny. Cause of course the 93 Lakers, you know, kind of uninspiring bunch end up giving the, uh, the Suns with Barkley in his MVP season, a scare by going up to, Oh, in the first round before you know, they end up losing in five games. So um and also, you know, it's worth pondering, you know, if Barkley goes to Lakers, how good are the 93 Suns without Barkley? Because 92, they were fourth in the league in SRS. Um, they were nine wins better and, and were up to, like, third in the league in SRS in 93. So definitely better, but not, like, you know, so much better. Um, you know, they, they did lose some depth when, you know, they, they traded three rotation guys for um, Barkley. But, you know, they would still have had, you know, uh, Hornacek, um, uh Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, you know, uh, Tom Chambers and you know, pretty good crew on the bench. So, you know, maybe they try to find another option to get better. Like, Hey, let's maybe they try to trade for another unhappy star like Hakim Olajuwon.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, do you want to, you want to take this one? I know you did sure, some, some work yeah. on this one. So go, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that, this also leads to another unhappy star, Akeem Um He wasn't happy and he's in Houston, September 92, his agent publicly told the press of Olajuwon's desire to play elsewhere. During that season, he'd been suspended by the team for missing games with a hamstring ang- injury that the doctors didn't think was severe enough to require that he sit out. Um, apparently, a couple trades with the Heat discussed one earlier. 92 was Juan for Glenn Rice, Steve Smith, and Ronnie Cycli, but that apparently was too much for the Heat. That was like basically the three best players. They were all really young. They thought that was too much. Um, in retrospect, I think you definitely make that deal, but, um, but I, I at least sort of understand that a little bit from the, the heat's perspective. Um, but I think you do that. A later trade offer was Elijah Juan and sleepy Floyd for cycling grant long and Harold minor, um, heat executive at the time, Billy Cunningham said, denied that the talks were ongoing. He said, we haven't spoken to those people in months. Um, and you know, We've talked about it a bit before, but I think it's crazy to see some of the things that were written about, you um, know, retrospect to see what was written about Akeem. There's an Orlando Sentinel um, column. one has made it clear he wants out of Houston, and the Rockets have to be sick about his whining. Every year, it seems Olajuwon is unhappy about something. He's currently moaning about his contract, which pays around $3 million per year. Even with Olajuwon's enormous talents, the Rockets aren't a championship team, and they may choose to change the mix of their club by getting rid of him. And then an, another one in the Sun Sentinel, as for the Rockets, trading Olajuwon rid rhythm of a player who may have burned his bridges after eight season as a team anchor. And then they talk about, you know, cycling and <laughs> logging, minor, you know, adding uh, – depth of the team but um you know and obviously the heat should have taken either walker either offer i mean if if the heat rejected that second one that was one of the best the worst all-time bad moves <laughs> yeah, that's really bad yeah i'm guessing probably houston said no to that one uh yeah again the first one like yeah i could maybe talk myself if i'm if i'm the rockets i could maybe talk myself into glenn rice steve smith and um ronnie seckley um I mean, I, you know, if, if you really think it's completely, you know, the relationship is unsalvageable.
1: Yeah, that then. one's okay. Like, that one, I, I, Glenn Rice and Steve Smith are, are, are great pieces. Ronnie Cycler at the time was really good. Yeah, you are out of your goddamn mind if you're getting Ronnie Cycler grand-long and Harold Minor for a Lajuan. Like, that, God, I hope that that – even if it was, if you were in that room, you just have to say, like, no, we never – yeah, the Rockets, they, they definitely yeah. – Like, that's – that is – oh, man, that – NBA history, yeah.
0: can you imagine the change that right. would have happened? Well, yeah, yeah. The, the 93 Heat, you would have, like, let's assume that second trade you know, went through. Yeah. The 93 Heat would have had Glenn Rice, who was 19 points per game and 38% three point shooting. Steve Smith, 16 points per game, uh, five and a half assists, 40% three point shooting. And you you put you surround those guys with a lodge one or surround a lodge one with those guys um, as shooters. It, I mean, that's just. You know, if they have any idea of how to play around, I and mean, that's that's an awesome. I mean, you know, you have to obviously add some depth, and they didn't have a lot of depth. But, um, but that's the potential of. It's definitely a championship core. I mean, oh, obviously, for sure. the, like, oh, Lajuan, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That,
1: that team is at least making an Eastern Conference Finals berth, or you know, you know, some, yeah, that, something's right. happening there yeah. for sure. That's a good ass mm-hmm. team, but yeah, it is. You know, reading those quotes, and, and and we talk about it all the time, like the the narrative around Hakeem Olajuwon. Like people don't realize how bad it had gotten, and how you know, dire it was there. Uh, in, right. in Houston, they were done with this guy, and he was done with them, and it all kind of got you know. Rudy comes in, they win two titles, and now it's like hey, Houston yeah. Rockets legend, right. Akimelajuan. It's like yeah. yeah, everybody was ready to get. I mean, they they were done with him. Houston was done with him. They were annoyed of him. Uh, he was annoyed. At, uh, it, it is it is so wild how different that that narrative changed with those two titles. But uh, you know, titles th- oh, th- yeah. will th- 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 yeah. th- do that to you. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, speaking of big men here, let's move on to Tyson Chandler to the Thunder, February of 2009. A uh, very interesting domino effect here, as as we kind of go through this of of you know replacing Tyson Chandler with you know potentially you know Kendrick Perkins or replacing Kendrick Perkins potentially uh, with Tyson Chandler, but uh, just to kind of give you this uh, idea here, February 2009, this deal goes down at the uh, or supposedly goes down at the 2009 trade deadline in a pure salary dump. Uh, New Orleans is not in a good place at this point, but we'll get into that uh, a little bit more detail when we talk about the Chris Paul trade. Uh, but anyway, New Orleans just wants the expiring contracts of Chris Wilcox and Joe Smith. Uh, and the Thunder are looking to grab in in his prime Tyson Chandler, uh, who had really in the last few years turned himself into one of the NBA's preeminent uh, interior defenders, uh, really kind of stripped down his game and got to the core of like, hey, let me just, you know, block people and, 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 and shoot at the basket. The Bulls tried to make him a shooter. They tried to make him, you know, a, a guy who had range from 15 feet and all that sort of stuff. And the, the New Orleans Hornets just said, you know what, just. Chris Ball's there. He'll throw you alley-oops, and then when the other guys come, you just block him. And he goes, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> That's exactly what he did and and turned into a very, very good player there. Uh, and it's a great trade because the Thunder, I mean, still young as hell at this point, too. Like, quite literally, they'd only been the Thunder for, I think, a year or two at this point. Uh, the building blocks are there. The team wasn't great yet. Uh, but Russell Westbrook had a breakout sophomore year. Kevin Durant was emerging as one of the NBA's best scorers. And, oh, yeah, they had a really good rookie in James Harden. I mean, they were absolutely loaded. Um, at this point, the team shocks everybody. They jump out to a 30 win first half of the season. Uh, as, yeah, Dur- as, as Duran, again, as I said, it kind of emerges and even better. Russell Westbrook's even better. And then this James Harden guy that comes in and he's almost immediately pretty decent as well. So uh, they'd eventually win 50 games and they'd make the playoffs for the first time as the Thunder. Uh, they do that, of course, without Tyson Chandler, though, because the deal does not happen. Uh, Chandler had missed the previous 12 games uh, for the Hornets due to a sprained left ankle, but that was not the reason why this trade didn't happen. It was his left big toe. That would end the trade. Uh, Dr. Carlin Yates, the Oklahoma City team physician, determined that the risk of the re-injury of Chandler's left big toe uh, was too great to give Chandler a clean bill of health. He therefore advised the Thunder to rescind the deal, and they did. Uh, Tyson Chandler goes, this is absolutely crazy. I'm super shocked. This is nuts. All right, let's get weird here. Tyson Chandler hurt that big toe April 2007 when the New Orleans Hornets were playing the Oklahoma City Thunder in Oklahoma City. And Jason, I want you to guess the doctor that performed the surgery on that left big toe.
0: Dr. Carlin Yates. If
1: you're saying Dr. Carlin Yates, you are correct. Dr. Carlin Yates was the man who did the trade. So um, weird.
0: <laughs> really, right. really weird. Yeah. It's like, this, who did this? This, guy... this, this, tr- this yeah. surgery is terrible. Like Who did this? <laughs> uh, you. Guy.
1: Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> you that's... must have re it. I don't know. I I know. Um, not great. Yeah. Uh, and the ripple effects of this one is not hard to figure out. The thunder uh, would would of course hunt for interior presence uh, for for years until they finally land on Kendrick Perkins, uh, who again Perkins was fine. He added you know a veteran presence to the team, but I mean the difference of Kendrick Perkins to Tyson Chandler is pretty uh, pretty large. <laughs> like, right. you know, there's no and- doubt that like Westbrook, you know, Harden, Durant, and Tyson Chandler is a little bit better than Westbrook, Harden, you know, and 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 and, and you know Durant and and Kendrick Perkins, so. Um yeah and by, by the, like by 2011 like Chandler's arguably the second most important part, you know, the Dallas Mavericks team that goes on to win the finals. And the Thunder they would make finals the next year, but uh, uh of course I've never won a title with the Westbrook, Harden, Durant Corps. but yeah on its face it's just like oh Jesus like the difference between Tyson Chandler uh, and Kendrick Perkins I think would have been pretty obvious and, and and pretty telling almost immediately as well. Not taking anything away from Kendrick Perkins whatsoever, but Chandler's just I, I think fits into that team so much better than Kendrick Perkins did.
0: Yeah, and they wouldn't have had to give Jeff Green, which Jeff Green wasn't, like, you know, huge shakes or anything, but he was another, like, young guy. You you could have maybe made a different deal for him and, um, you know, not had to – you you know, Perkins, again, was just, like, he was a a fairly good – he was a solid player, but kind of dragged that team a little bit down in terms of, like, you know, didn't have the speed – um, you know, Chandler was faster, as you said, was, you know, better um, interior defender, you know, just made more sense with that team and probably, you know, they have a better chance at winning a championship with Chandler than they did, you know, do, with the other way. And then, of course, you know, ended up breaking that team up uh, later on. But um but yeah, that that one is again, Yeah, you know, Chandler not as big of a star as most of the guys that we talked about. But yeah, the, the ripple effect there, obviously, you know, the Mavericks, um, if Chandler doesn't go to the Mavericks, the Mavericks have a harder time winning the championship. Sure. twenty eleven. So, you know, that's, um, you know, obviously that, that's important as well.
1: Yeah, it's just great. I mean, yeah, that, that that trade. I mean, New Orleans just literally saying, "Hey, just give us, you know, Chris Wilcox and Joe Smith. We just want to get out of I, this contract situation." Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I would have even told with this doctor. I'm like, "You know what? Let's figure it out anyway. <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah, like, that's fine. Like, yeah. we'll figure out this left big toe issue. I I that yeah. that's on that's on OKC too." Yeah, it's yeah, right. Dr. Carlin Yates is saying, Oh, this picture I mean, that that's one thing, but even then I'd be like, I don't care. Like, let's try it. It's Chris Wilcox and Joe Smith. Like, who cares? Right. And this was right. done. This trade was done. This isn't like, oh, yeah. well, let's kind of talk about a rumor. It was like done, and then the the physician said no, and then they said no, and then it didn't happen. It's like, oh my God, what are you doing? So um right. yeah, they, they were they were on the money. Okay C so was on the money for a lot of deals uh in that time, but uh that one, yeah, that one not so great.
0: Yeah, well, nobody's perfect. Um Next, we have a couple from the, from summer of 2007. You may remember the uh, summer of 2007. There was discontent in the air in the mm-hmm. NBA as Kevin Garnett was unhappy with the Minnesota Timberwolves and Kobe Bryant also unhappy with the Los Angeles Lakers. So uh, lots of rumors of trades there. First with Garnett uh, in June of 2007, things were very close that um, – there was a belief the Phoenix Suns were very likely to land Kevin Garnett. Uh, the Lakers themselves were also in uh, attempting to acquire Garnett to keep Bryant happy. Uh, a, the um, however, it was it, it appeared as though it was going to be the Suns. The Suns. The rumor trade was the Suns getting Kevin Garnett, the Celtics getting Sean Marion the Wolves getting the number five pick and some undisclosed players from the Suns and the uh, Celtics probably out Jefferson being involved. Um, although the Celtics didn't really want to part without Jefferson unless they got KG, which of course you know, was later what happened. But um, there was also a possible addition of the Hawks getting Amari Stoudemire and the Wolves getting the Hawks' number three and number 11 um, picks out of that. Um, but I, the, the big stumbling block there was... Marion not wanting really to play for the Celtics um, and not being willing to sign an extension with the um, Celtics. So yes, obviously ripple effects of that are pretty great. Um, but uh, imagine there being a Steve Nash Kevin Garnett team together like oh, the smartest God. offensive player, the smartest offensive player in NBA history or at least of that time and the smartest defensive player you know um, in NBA history probably together on the you know on one team. Yeah, I mean, honestly, in retrospect, if the Suns had been willing to, you know, uh, trade Amare and keep Marion, I mean, that totally like that would have been an awesome fit. That that team would have been like just, you know, like awesome on both ends and you know a- incredible. I, you know, I, I that that team probably is, you know, they, they, they're they're getting they're getting a bit older, so that's the only issue there. But mm-hmm. um, that's a team that really you know probably could have won a couple championships, you know, like 08 through 2011 time frame.
1: Sure. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. You, you look at NMR Sotomayor, obviously a tremendous player. <sighs> and Yeah. Him and, and Nash on the pick and roll was just like unstoppable. Then you add, you know, Kevin Garnett who can, Roll with the best of them, and then also can you know can can fade and pop and 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 yeah. hit shots on the outside. It's just like oh my god, like that would have just been just something else. And yeah, like you said, if you can keep Marion around there a, a, as well, I mean, just the upgrade from Amari to Kevin Garnett, not slighting Amari in any way, shape, or form, but like it's Kevin Garnett. Yeah. You know, he's just a, a much, sure. he's just a better player because there's not many people that are better than Kevin Garnett. So uh yeah, just sounds like an awesome, awesome trade, and I really, 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 really wish it would have happened just because uh, it just would have been fun to see. Uh, and, and then instead, you know, we just had kind of the aging, you know, suns just kind of slowly fade away. And then, you know, the Celtics of course get, you know, KG and yeah, yeah, things go pretty well for them and, and all that sort of stuff. And then your Hawks would have gotten Amari Stoudemire. That would have been pretty fun too. I like, I like that part of the trade too. So that,
0: That's true. But they wouldn't have gotten Al Horford though. So, um, so, so yeah, probably better off getting Al Horford, not as exciting, but, um, but better off overall getting Al Horford, but uh, but yeah, that would have been, I would have been happy at the time if they had gotten of Stoudemire for sure. So, and then the other, uh, the other big, uh, trade rumors surrounded Kobe Bryant a little bit later in the summer of 07 <laughs> after, you know, the, the Lakers are not able to get KG Kobe, you know, he requests trade publicly. It looks like he's, he's leaving, you know, um, the, and it looked like it, you know, the, there was definitely report at the time, you know, heavily some chatter with the bulls. Um, the rumored trade was Bryant for Luol Deng, Tyrus Thomas, Ben Gordon and Joakim Noah this was reported by ESPN.com in the fall of 07. Um Bryant had a no trade clause though apparently the only person in the league at the time with a no trade clause um and didn't wanted to keep Deng, you know wanted Deng to remain on the Bulls. I mean the Bulls you know if, if the trade had gone through they would have had Kobe, Ben Wallace, who was 33, Kirk Heinrich, Chris Duhan, Andres Nocioni, Joe Smith, and Boba Afelosha. So, you know, some good role players there, but you know, that's definitely a, a team that was worse than the Lakers, who at least had, you know, Andrew Bynum and Lamar Odom, um, and a much better coach. So, um, yeah, that I, he didn't want to get out of uh, Los Angeles that bad, uh, apparently. So... Um, and then the the Pistons trade, which I think is interesting, and, and this one I guess was reported at the time, but I don't think I re- was ever aware of the details of it. But uh, the Detroit radio station apparently reported it would have been Rip Hamilton, Tayshon Prince, Amir Johnson, and a first round pick. Um, and Amir Johnson was like you know kind of like a potentially good young player at the time. Um, and Brian said again he uses no trade clause to kill the deal. I don't really like that one for the Lakers, but for the Pistons, I mean. You know, you still have Kobe, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, yeah. and Tony nice and then you know some decent young bench pieces there. Um, not like terrific depth, but I, you know, I think that it's a team that could you know match up with the uh, with the Cavs and with the um, Celtics, and you know, m- maybe have gone to the finals. Yeah, no, I, I agree.
1: I, I'm right with you. I'm right with you on both those trades, uh, to be honest. Yeah. The Bulls one is, is one that always, even at the time, it was just like, yeah, that's a lot to give up for, you know, Kobe Bryant. And it wasn't because people didn't think that Kobe Bryant was, was, was great. He was obviously great, but it's like, that's, I mean, that's a lot of your team. Like, Luol Deng and Ben Gorn and, and eventually what Joe Kim No was going to be and even Tyrus Thomas, who was, was really good at that time. I mean, that's your depth. And yeah, you look at the, t- the, you know, the, the, the team that's left and it's like, this is just Kobe on the same team as the Lakers, just in the East. It's like, yeah, All maybe right. he does a little bit better because it's the East, but yeah. Ben Wallace, Kirk Hinrich, Duhon, Nociani, Joseph. I mean, it's not. It's not great. It's not a a real good team. But yeah, that that Pistons team. I like that team a lot. The Kobe, Chauncey, uh, Rashid Wallace, Antonio McDyce. Like that all that works. I mean, that you, you could see it on the floor. You could see how it works in pre, you know in, in 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 practice as well. Like you could absolutely see uh, how, how that you know yeah no are they like a no doubt title contender? I don't know if I put them there, but I think they're definitely. In the mix, I think at least for a year or two, they they're in the mix there. Uh, before you know, Wallace obviously starts getting a little bit older, and and, and Billups, you know, starts kind of you know uh, fading out as well, and Antonio McDyess kind of fades out. But yeah, you could absolutely see that team making a little bit of a run, especially especially in the Eastern Conference where you know it wasn't great, uh, any real great shakes at that time too. So yeah, that would have been a really cool trade uh, to see happen. But uh, as you said, he didn't want to leave LA that bad because he makes a lot of trades right. along the way. So he did,
0: yeah. And then the uh, Lakers, of course, got Paul Gasol, and then you know they lived up ever after. So.
1: Uh, yeah. So, yeah, And that uh, perfectly leads into our final deal here. Uh, Chris Paul to the Lakers. Maybe not happily ever after because they also kind of <laughs> wanted Chris Paul, too. So uh, this is, you know, when we're talking about today's NBA and how weird everything is in the abbreviated offseason, this is perfect when to finish here uh, because this is a tumultuous two months uh, or a, f- a tumultuous few months. Uh, In the NBA is the trade is set to go down the day before uh, the formal reopening of the league after a five-month lockout. So it's actually around the same time, December 8th, 2011 is when this all goes down. Uh, So first off, the trade, as we kind of get through all the intricacies of it and all that sort of stuff. So, okay. Proposed trade is going to send Chris Paul to the Lakers, Paul Gasol to the Rockets, and Kevin Martin, Louis Scola, Lamar Odom, Goran Dragic, and a 2012 first-round pick that Houston had acquired from the Knicks. And all those guys are going to go to New Orleans. So a real fun, interesting deal here. Uh, Paul at the time, a former rookie of the year, uh, one time all NBA first team, twice top five MVP, four time NBA all-star twice led the league in assists and steals arguably the NBA's top point guard at age 25, except for, and I don't know to hear. Uh, do you remember the Darren Williams versus Chris Paul debates? I mean, those are just, and people like, <laughs> yeah. you're going to laugh. Like there's a young listener. That's like, I promise you they were legit. And I promise you there were people that argued both sides. And I promise you there was cases to be made for both sides. It is so ridiculous in hindsight. Now I was, al- I was always on the Chris Paul side for the record. I was always on the right, right side, but the Darren, Williams, it was, it wasn't that ridiculous. Like now it seems so laughable. But at the time, it wasn't that ridiculous. I promise it wasn't that ridiculous.
0: Right? Like, it, it wasn't it, that yeah, ridiculous. No, <laughs> right. You could make a case. It wasn't a good case. But a case could be made that wasn't insane. You, know like I mean? you, you,
1: you, you, you didn't get laughed out of the room.
0: Like, right. now you get
1: laughed out of the room. But
0: Yeah, he was bigger. He was taller. You know, he could do some things that Chris Paul couldn't do. You know, there was some playoff... Numbers that kind of favored Darren Williams a little bit, but but not that much.
1: No, know. and then like a year or two after, it was like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like right. why did we all? Like, oh, yeah. And then everybody was like, why did we have that debate? We're so dumb. Of course yeah. it's Chris Paul, but yeah. uh, that's what happened right. at that time. Uh, anyway, New Orleans had built a uh, a decentish team around Paul. They made a run to the Western Conference Finals in oh seven oh eight, uh, arguably Paul's best year, one of the great years in NBA history. Chris Paul uh, in oh seven oh eight. Uh, in the years that followed, though, the team struggled to make a deep run into the playoffs, and and and. Chris Paul realizing that eh, this thing isn't really going to go anywhere, uh, he informs the the Hornets and uh, GM Del Demps just days before this proposed trade that he is not going to sign a contract extension and that he would become a free agent uh, July first, 2012. So uh, they look at that and go, "Hey, look, let's get some value out of this guy as we uh, while we can." Uh, as far as the Lakers, they were obviously eager to add a uh, you know top five, top ten player to their roster. They're fresh off back to back titles in 09 and 010 or in ten. Uh, Lakers did fall down to earth in 2011 though, an embarrassing Western Conference Finals loss. Uh, to the eventual ma- uh, champion Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they were not looking to retool but reload, uh, and Paul was really their big target there. What's interesting, though, and, and I did note this and kind of gets lost in this deal, is that the deal is they're going to lose Paul Gasol in this deal. They're going to trade him to Houston. And people kind of go, oh, yeah, whatever, yeah, Chris Paul of the Lakers. Oh, yeah, let's go. Like, Paul Gasol was the top windshare guy for the Lakers the prior three years, and he'd be the top windshare guy this next year as he stayed with the team. Like, let, let's not forget, I know it's very easy to forget how good Paul Gasol was and how important he was to those teams. And you mentioned a little bit there. He was the, one of the, I mean, yes, Kobe Bryant is Kobe Bryant. Yes, I know. That team doesn't win titles without Paul Gasol. And yeah, for sure. People yeah. just very instantly are like, yeah, hey, whatever, no, Chris Paul. It's like, all right, now hold on a minute. Like, you're losing Paul Gasol, and that's a big, big thing. That's a huge thing. For the Lakers at the time, and 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 I hate that people just kind of he comes to the team and it's like oh yeah well now Kobe has his second guy and he's ready to go and it's like no Paul Gasol was like every bit as good as Kobe Bryant or better than Kobe Bryant was for those title teams so don't don't whitewash Paul Gasol like let let's let's give him some respect for what he did on those teams I mean look at the numbers they're there they're absolutely there. Uh,
0: yeah yeah he was I mean I I was it's close I I would I would give Kobe bit the edge but I mean Gasol was excellent and he was right there and and is is a little bit under appreciate I think for how good he um really was and how instantly you know that that team turned around because of, of him but by this point he was he'd, he'd aged a bit wasn't quite as strong I mean I think it obviously would have you would definitely do that that deal but it wasn't like he was irreplaceable and they, they were giving up a lot to get um Chris Paul I mean I think it would have been worth it but it definitely um you know, they, they were going to have to, you know, get, get some good supporting pieces as well for them to, you know, be a championship contender. Yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, no doubt. And like, yeah, it's it, it, like if they had not had to trade Paul Gasol, it's like, oh, obvious. Like, dude, yeah, make this trade a thousand times again. And then, yeah, then the NBA is ruined for, you know, another yeah. decade if, if it's Kobe, Gasol, and, and, you know, Chris Paul together. But obviously, it doesn't sure. happen. But uh, anyway, Houston uh, at, at this time, and they're trying to get Paul Gasol in, in this deal. A decent middle of the road Western Conference team. They, they're really struggling for an identity, though. Uh, post-Yao and, and and McGrady. Uh, and obviously this trade falling through doesn't affect them that much as they'd use you know, a lot of the pieces that we mentioned above. Uh, they'd use a lot of those pieces to acquire James Harden uh, two seasons later. So ended up working pretty well uh, for them. But let's get to the drama and the fun stuff of why this trade falls through. So first off, this doesn't happen at all. This trade doesn't get vetoed. Nothing really happens here if in 2010 the NBA doesn't buy the New Orleans Hornets from a terrible, terrible NBA owner, repugnant, owner, George Shin, and for those that don't know... Real quickly here, uh, Shin was accused of kidnapping and sexually assaulting a woman in Charlotte in 1999. Not great. Uh, this effectively ends the Hornets run in Charlotte as the community basically says, well, we really don't want to you know, support this guy who kidnapped and sexually assaulted a woman in our town. Uh, and that ends up uh, kind of ending the Hornets in Charlotte. They, of course, will move to New Orleans. Uh, but they're still under financial strain because George Shin is, is a terrible human being. And a lot of his money is kind of drying up at this point. Uh, so finally, the NBA steps in. And does shin a solid by buying the team for $300 million. So, not bad. <laughs> not a bad return on investment for a terrible, terrible human being. So, uh, yay. Uh, this gives the NBA pseudo power over the Hornets. Though they never really used it until this point here. Uh, as David Stern informs the Hornets that they could not make the trade. Um, the big question here, the big question still to this day that people I think don't know, was this Stern acting on his own accord, just kind of saying, Hey, look, nah, it's not a great trade or I don't really want this to happen. Or, uh, did the NBA owners, uh, you know, 29 of them pretty sick of the Lakers dominance over the last decade. Plus, uh, did they demand that Stern stop it? Uh, Mike Bass who was the NBA spokesman at the time says, it's not true that the owners killed the deal. The deal was never discussed at the board of governors meeting and the league office declined to make the trade for basketball reasons. Okay, sounds good. NBA, uh, some other sources don't necessarily agree here. Yahoo Sports gets uh, uh, an email sent to them from, or, 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 you know, sent to them, you know, it was, it was it's Cleveland Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert sends this email to David Stern. Yahoo gets it here. Uh, This email says that this deal is a travesty uh, and says Stern should put the deal to a vote of the 29 owners of the New Orleans Hornets. So uh, I don't know who you believe. Uh, I guess, do you believe Dan Gilbert or Mike Bass? I don't know. It's kind of a, a Sophie's Choice here. It's David Stern, sure. Mike Bass, and Dan Gilbert. So decide who's lying in this case. So
0: Pro- Yes, Pro- probably probably everyone. <laughs> probably all
1: three, yes, is probably yep. the correct answer there. Um, yes. So, yeah, anyway, this ends up being a complete disaster on many levels um, when the deal falls through. David Stern says this deal is not going to happen. And then you have a lot of issues here. So, yeah, the Hornets have a disgruntled star that doesn't want to be there anymore. Uh, eventually, of course, they would trade him to the Los Angeles Clippers, not the Lakers. Um... There's more ramifications, though, because Lamar Odom, upon realizing that he's in these trade talks, he says, well, I'm not going back to the Lakers. You guys don't want me. You just tried to trade me. Uh, And this is always what happens in these deals that fall through. It's very hard to be like, all right, hey, welcome back. Yeah, no, we didn't really want to trade you. It's like, yeah, yeah, you did. You did, and the deal got nixed, and you you don't want me, and that I don't really want to play for you. Uh, So, of course, Lamar Odom then a few days later is traded to the Dallas Mavericks, and, uh, of course, that does not go well, and his personal life kind of falls into disarray as well. But uh, that is kind of one of the big, you know, things Happened here, but the ripple effect is is pretty large. The Clippers become a real team. Uh, New Orleans Hornets, you know, they are still bad, and I guess a little bit better than I, I don't know. The deal they would have gotten was pretty cool as well. And this one they got, you know, Al Minu, Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen. I don't know, it's not great. Yeah, either. I mean, they, they <laughs> got
0: some they got some picks out of it. I mean, they it like it maybe it was more beneficial to help them rebuild, but they would have gotten better talent for the other trade. It, it, it's kind of it, it depends on where you know, where do you think they're going to kind of go, you know, um, like if you want to rebuild and the second deal was better because you had better pieces for rebuilding the other team, you're still kind of expensive. You're better, but you're still kind of mediocre. So, you know, it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's strange, but yeah, the the ripple effects are of course the Lakers then kind of fall apart after this, losing Lamar Odom, basically have to trade him for, for next to nothing. And then they decide to empty the bank of fears later for, uh, Dwight Howard and Steve Nash and, uh, we were told it was going to be fun, and it was not, it was not,
0: not fun. It was not very no. fun at all.
1: It was kind of, no, really was kind of fun. not fun. It was kind of yeah. the opposite of fun. It was very depressing and, and, and not and not fun at all. So, uh, yeah, it ends up going on, and then yeah, so there, a lot of happens uh, there to kind of uh, work it out. But yeah, one, one of the one of the more famous you know blocked or, or declined or whatever NBA deals uh, in history there with, uh, um, Chris Paul not going to the Lakers.
0: Well, um, speaking of the opposite of fun. Paul George, he was uh, almost traded to the Cavaliers in June 2017. Uh, this was the summer after the Cavs had lost the 2017 finals to the Warriors, Kevin Durant's first season with the Warriors. Um, General Manager David Griffin, his contract was not renewed, so he left the team toward the end of June. But there was uh, going to be a trade that uh, on June 30th that would have sent George to the Cavs, Kevin Love to the Nuggets, and Gary Harris, the number thirteen, and perhaps some other pieces to the Pacers. Um, there's a ESPN.com article um, going into that and other things involving Kyrie Irving that we'll get into in a second. But the, on that afternoon, the sides all thought they had a deal. Everyone tentatively agreed. They had done. Um, they were setting up to arrange a call between Paul George and Dan Gilbert. Um, and, you know, everyone thought that, you know, that it was going to happen. But then uh, Pritchard, the Indianapolis uh, GM, Kevin Pritchard, he was on the conference call when it was agreed to, sent a team message that they were backing out and that there was no deal. George then traded to the Thunder the next day. And just a few days later, Kyra Irving uh, requests a trade um, in July. So, um, very, very dramatic change for the Cavs in just a little bit a period of time. Irving ends up getting traded in August uh, to the Celtics in twenty seventeen. The you know the Celt- the the Cavs what looks kind of like an okay deal at the time. You know they got Isaiah Thomas who'd been really good the year before, but I, I don't think the it was clear how you know injured how the injuries were going to affect him again. They got Jay Crowder who people thought would be a pretty good fit. They got you know Brooklyn's draft pick which you know potentially was going to be great so um you know they were okay but yeah not having paul george you know i, I think getting i'm not I, in the big picture i'm not sure how much really changes here you know assuming everything else happens the same i think george gives the Cavs a slightly better chance at the 2018 finals than um you know they had with kevin love you know um basically it was all of lebron's willpower they they had just to get them there but they probably don't have a good chance of you know of, Giving the Warriors a fight.
1: Yeah, you, you have to assume that no matter what happens, Kyrie is out of there. And and that's right. the big difference. It's like if, if you want to say that, hey, Paul George comes to Kyrie's like, all right, I'm in. Like, I love this. This team's great. I love, you know, I love playing for LeBron James. I love everything that's happening here. Like, if that happens, then yeah, it's a no doubt, like, oh my God, what a, what a great trade that would have been. And of course, yeah, right. you can look at the Cavs and say, shit, they, they maybe win that title. Maybe they beat the Warriors or they give them a run for their money because Paul George is great still at this time. Um, yeah, assuming that Kyrie is out of there, it's just like yeah, it's just putting a little bit of a band-aid on a team. And yeah, they they pro the result is probably the same. They probably still get destroyed by the Warriors. Uh, in the NBA Finals, regardless if it's Kevin Love or Paul George, and 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 yeah, it's maybe they give a little bit more of a chance. Maybe they win a game <laughs> as opposed to you know no games. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I I don't know. Yeah, I, I, uh, assuming that Kyrie is out of there, I think this is just kind of moving deck chairs on on Titanic. So uh,
0: yeah, right. I mean, and I don't. I think you know Kyrie's big. It seems like his big, um, you know, bone of contention is he didn't want to be second fiddle to. LeBron James is right, so <laughs> probably not, not, not going to be any better. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think the only, if by getting George, you convince LeBron to stay, then uh, if, then obviously that makes a big deal, but it seems like LeBron, you know, his, his interest in going to the Lakers was more than just basketball reasons. I mean, you know, family and, um, you know, being able to do entertainment projects and that kind of stuff, which, you know, Paul George isn't going to make a difference there. So, and they, they might've lost George after the next season. So, you know, it wasn't going to, again, not a huge difference, but I guess it would have been interesting to see, um you know, how they would have played together for a year.
1: Yeah, it would have been just fun at least, you know, other than yeah. the depressing, you know, slog that was the, you know, the final Cavs season with LeBron. Right. Uh, I would have been at least a little bit of an exciting slog to the end, <laughs> where you know they still yeah. probably lose. But hey, well, you know I, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, LeBron was just awesome in those playoffs, you know, that game winning shot against the Pacers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I that, mean, that was a lot of fun. Um, obviously that would have been different if, if George had been there. Um, I mean, they still probably would have made the finals, but, um, I don't know. Um, it just, uh, yeah, obviously a notable recent one that I thought was uh, deserving of attention, but yeah, not, not a great, not, not a great counterfactual there. I don't think it changes that much for the Pacers either, you know, or, um, you know i guess the nuggets getting kevin love is interesting um you know how how does that affect the nuggets now does jokic have the same opportunity you know how how does that all work together yeah so, that is
1: that just, is interesting yeah, yeah that that that's right. actually the ripple effect that i like the most is there it's just kind of like oh weird yeah that 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 right. team is is way different <laughs> than they are today cuz yeah jokic doesn't Really get that? Yeah, they they they're just not at all what they are today, and they're kind of stuck with Kevin Love for a lot of years potentially. Because you know you'd probably sign him too. You'd probably sign him with a, a very similar extension too, because you don't want to just trade for him and then you know, let him go immediately after I, that. So yeah, it's that. Oh, yeah, that would have been wild. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, yeah, I mean Jokic and and Love probably could play together okay, but um, but I, might honestly be the ideal fit. And, and the and the Nuggets probably don't get Millsap, and yeah, just a lot of uh, a lot of interesting things there. So. But, uh, yeah, I think that's all we have.
1: I think that's it. So those are some trades. If, if you have any others as well, there, there were some people that sent us some some interesting ones as well. Uh, if there's any we missed or any ones that we didn't talk about, uh, please let us know uh, as well. Add Overback NBA. Uh, Overback NBA on Facebook as well would be uh, much appreciated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to uh, contact us. Uh, also, if you uh, like what you're uh, listening to, you want to give us a, a rating and review on the podcast provider of your choice. We're on Apple Podcasts. Um, uh stitcher pretty much any uh any service that exists we are there if you want us to uh, be there and we're not there let us know and we will add ourselves uh, to it if that's possible um but yeah thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back again soon